This is where we are today. This is where we're living. Verse 13. He says, do not lead us into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He says, deliver us from evil. It is not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here's what we're going to do today. We have two different points of focus because we're wrapping up this series today. And there, there are two things that, I, that I've got to talk about that I've got to do really, really quickly. So wives, make sure your husbands are awake. They're not on ESPN checking anything. No scores yet to check. But listen, temptation. Temptation is a part of life. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. You guys remember that song like from the 80s? Please, who said no in here? You must be under 30 then. <clears throat> if, if you're not, you're a liar because you heard that song. Temptation, our common denominator today, regardless of the color of our skin or, or how many degrees we have or where we came from, whatever side of the tracks we came from, our common denominator today is that we've all faced temptation. We all have, each and every one of us. The great news, the victory in all of this is that Jesus Christ, among the many things that he did, he faced temptation as well. He showed us how to overcome temptation, how to be saved from temptation. Amen? That we don't have to give into temptation. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you're bigger than the devil. That was pretty pedestrian. Look at your neighbor again and say, hey, say, hey, neighbor, you're bigger than the devil. Aaron's got two neighbors. You're in trouble today, brother. Hear my heart today, church. We all are tempted. We all will be tempted. We all have been tempted. Because you come to church and you check the box today that you worship the Lord at Crossroads Church, the best church in the world, amen. But the fact that you came to church today, the devil's not going to say, oh, man, you know what? I can't even tempt them anymore. They came to church. They went to church today. Well, you know, I'm just going to have to stop tempting them because... Oh, they're, they're Christians, so I'm just not going to tempt them anymore. How many know that's not true? Yeah. We face temptation every day. Sometimes the temptation is not what we automatically think it is. Maybe to look up something bad on the Internet or to cuss or to do whatever. I think sometimes the greatest temptation I face, church, is the temptation to give up. Anybody else real with me today? Or is everybody else saved in here? Okay, okay, all right. Listen, sometimes for me, yes, I'm tempted in other ways. But if I'm being honest and transparent with you today, sometimes the greatest temptation I face is the temptation to throw in the towel. Anybody bold enough to raise your hand and say, Pastor Matt, I'm in that boat with you today? Yeah. Amen. Awesome. High fives. (laughs) Sometimes the greatest temptation for the believer is the temptation to give up and to throw in the towel. And to say, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I serve God. Because, you know what? I've been serving God, and look what I'm getting. The temptation to take your towel and and just to throw that towel in. Throw that towel in the ring. You know where we get that from, right? We get that from the, the, the imagery, the illustration of boxing. And there can be boxers in the ring, and the manager has the liberty 
without asking the fighter if he wants him to throw in the towel or not. But to throw the towel in the ring, and that is a universal sign to the referee that the fight's over. And we've got an adversary who is watching us fight. Now, now hear my heart today, church. This is important that I tell you because I never want to take for granted that everyone just has deep knowledge of God's Word. Theology 101 is the devil is not like God in that he cannot be everywhere at all the time. He's not like God. Amen? That, that's good news. See, God is omnipresent. He can be every, He's everywhere all the time. This is his universe. He's still in charge. He's still in throne. So God is everywhere. He's in everything. Read John chapter 1. He's, he's everywhere. He's in everything. The devil cannot be everywhere all the time like, like, like the Lord can. So when we're in our fight of life, when we're in the ring and we're battling out with a demon, with an adversary, when we're in the ring, we hear the devil from the sidelines saying, hey, just throw in the towel. Do you want me to throw the towel in for you? Do you want me to throw the towel in there? Because it looks like you're getting beat up. It looks like you're tired. Look at you. You're, you can barely stand up. You can barely fight back. Anybody else ever watch boxing and you're, you're shouting at the TV? You ever do that? I do that. When if I get something on pay-per-view or I'm watching a fight or uh, uh, this, this last match I watched at Ronda Rousey, uh, this this woman, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. She's an MMA fighter. This this chick is bad news, man. And there's no man on this earth going to get in a ring with her. And like her last fight was like 40-something seconds, round one. And there were two hits. She hit her and the other girl hit the floor. And, I mean, it was over. But I, I'm watching the TV and I'm shouting, like, hit her, you know, kick her, you know, maul her, whatever, you know, finish him. And so, and I'm screaming, like, go, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And Hebrews tells us that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that our loved ones who have gone before us and all of heaven is looking down right now and they're shouting and they're cheering for you and your mom and your dad and your kids or whoever's gone before you they're looking down at you they're saying come on you can do it keep going it's in you keep fighting and all of heaven's clapping for you and they're cheering you on the bible says that god dances over you and he's celebrating you come on look at your neighbor say keep fighting and sometimes the temptation to give up is the greatest temptation that a Christian ever faces. To throw in the towel, to give up, that it doesn't matter. That my life doesn't matter, that the fight that I'm in, I'm losing the battle. And the devil's shouting right back at you as loud as they're shouting, saying, give up. You can't make it. Give up. You're not winning. Look at you. You can barely stand. And he, sometimes he's whispering in your ear, isn't he, church? And he's whispering, saying, Aaron, just give up. Just give up. And he's saying, John, just give up. It doesn't matter what you're doing. He's telling every dad in here, saying, you're, you're a terrible dad. Look at the things you've done. Look who you've been. He's telling the, all the moms in here, saying, you're neglecting your children. If, if you would be a better mom, if you would take care of your kids this way. You'd be a better grandparent if you paid attention to your kids when they were younger. They wouldn't be who they were today. Are you with me today, church? He's whispering to everybody, says, you're a failure. You're, you should just throw in the towel. 
But that's when we need to fix our eyes on heaven, amen? The author and the finisher of our faith, amen? And we draw our strength from him. And then we look back at the devil on the other side of the ring or that demon that, that is telling us to throw in the towel, the adversary, and we say, you know what? Greater is he that is in me that's he that's in the world. I'm going to lace these gloves up a little bit tighter. I'm going to put some wax on my eyebrows. Come on, somebody. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back in the ring, and I'm going to fight a little harder. Sometimes the temptation to give up is the greatest temptation that a believer ever faces. The greatest men and the women in the Bible all face the temptation of giving up. Jesus, we talked about that. Remember just a couple of weeks ago, Jesus in the garden, the temptation to give up that it doesn't matter. I want to read to you a story. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. If you have your Bible app, you can turn there as well. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39, verse 6. Genesis chapter 39, verse 6. It says, Joseph was a strikingly handsome man. Can I just say, if someone is describing me, I would love for them to describe me that way. And depending on what version you read, it says different things. But clearly, Joseph was a 10 of 10s. He was a male model. I mean, he was Zoolander before Zoolander was Zoolander. He was a strikingly handsome man. And it says, as time went on, his master's wife became infatuated with Joseph. And one day she said, sleep with me. And he said, I'm not going to do it. You're crazy. Look, my master, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot right here. We're going to go to verse 10. But basically he says, look, my master's given me everything. I'd be crazy. I'd be nuts to do this. I'm not going to sin before God. Get out of here. But the Bible says in verse 10 that she pestered him day after day. Temptation. Temptation doesn't take a day off. The devil's not going to take a day off. Why do we have believers only serving God on Sundays? Come on, somebody. We take days off of our faith. I don't know about you, but I'm living the kind of life that I got to pray every day. I mean, the battles I'm facing require me to be on my knees more than I stand sometimes. And so day after day, she pestered him, but he stood his ground. Well, there's power in that. Look at your neighbor and say, stand your ground. Look at your other neighbor and say, stand your ground. He says he refused to go to bed with her. One of these days, uh, on one of these days, he came to the house to do his work. No one else was there. Satan knows what he's doing. And the Bible says she, she grabbed a hold of him this time. She took it to a whole other level. This is a game changer right here. She said, enough of this talk. The Bible says she grabbed a hold of him. She says, sleep with me. He says, you're crazy. I'm out of here. And so he tore off his coat, and he ran the other, he ran the other way. Now, I'm ending there because the story, the story goes on. It's, you, you really need to read the whole life of Joseph to appreciate the full context of the story. Joseph was accused of something he never did, and so she comes to her husband. She says, look, the guy that you trust the most Try to take advantage of me. In fact, here's his coat. I've got proof of it. Just throw him in the slammer. And Joseph spends a good portion of his life in jail. God brings him back out and, and gives him more than he ever had before and doubles what he had. But a point in all this is that Joseph stood his ground. We have too many believers that call themselves Christians, they call themselves Christ followers, that don't stand their ground. That aren't as stubborn as they need to be. Amen? I'm giving you permission today to be a little stubborn. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. I'm going to give you three things real quick before we move on to the second part of this message. Write these down, please. Get your phone out. Whatever you got to do to make a note. 
Three things. Number one, recognize. Look at your neighbor and say, recognize. Recognize. Number two, refuse. Somebody say, refuse. And number three, write this down. Say, run. <laughs> Joseph recognized his temptation. See, we are smart enough to know when we're tempted. When you're being tempted, you don't have to stop and say, God, am I being tempted right now? You know when you're being tempted because your flesh is saying, do it, 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 you know. And the spirit is saying, don't do it, you idiot. Don't do it. Stop, 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 stop. But your flesh is saying, I'm going to do it anyway. Shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And the spirit inside you saying, don't, don't, don't. And there's this tug of war and you feel like you're being ripped right in half. Anybody else ever tempted that much before? So your mind is saying, go, go, go. Your heart is saying, stop, 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 stop. Recognize. You recognize when you're being tempted. Recognize when you're being tempted. Second of all, refuse. It's okay to say no. Now, in the 80s, Ronald Reagan's wife, Nancy, her big agenda was to uh, say no to drugs. Remember that? For all those that are old enough to remember that? Okay. <laughs> those that aren't, just this, trust me, this is true. And... Say no to drugs. That was a big thing in school. You can say no to drugs. And I'm telling you, you can say no to the devil. Amen? Get stubborn, stand your ground, and say no to the devil. Say no. Look at your neighbor and say, say no. Husbands, do not say that to your wives. But you can, you can say no. And the last of all, the Bible says that, that he ran. He ran. He didn't hang out and say, hmm, you know what? I'm just going to hang out here. I'm going to look at you from across the room. I'm just going to look at this beautiful woman that Pharaoh's got. I'm not going to run. Come on, guys. I'm talking to the men in the house. I've got some men that need to do some running. I know it doesn't make sense. I told you to stand your ground, but sometimes standing your ground means you run. You pick up your ground and you run. <laughs> you go stand on it somewhere else. Amen? Recognize temptation. Refuse it. Say no and pick up your ground and go stand on it somewhere else. Run. Run. The Bible says that he ran from her. He fleed temptation. And we read this and we say, Lord, lead me not into, into temptation. I, I could go, and there's so many scriptures, so many different ones that tell us about temptation. God is, God is not a man. He doesn't tempt us. But it's not fair for us to accuse God of when we get ourselves in messes sometimes. We give in to temptation. We say, God, now bail me out. I created this mess, but, oh, the devil's been fighting me. No, it wasn't the devil. It was you. It was you. The devil had nothing to do with it. It was all you, baby. So I'm telling you today, you can overcome temptation. Amen? So verse 10, he says, lead us not into temptation. Second part of this, he says, deliver us from evil. He says, deliver us from evil. I think if we're honest and we're transparent, well, i got to hurry. If we're honest and we're transparent with one another, we would all, I think, agree that we're living in evil days. Come on. That's just the truth of it. Now, there's been a lot of speculation among believers for years and decades and forever. Are we living in the last days? My answer to that is yes, because a thousand days to us is as one day to God. So for all we know, the last thousand years, God is saying, this is the last day. Amen? We're living in a time, certainly, that the Bible has warned us about with what Planned Parenthood is doing, with what we see our, our, the, the trend our nation is going. We have people calling right wrong, calling wrong right. 
I mean, it's, it's before our eyes, church. Now, hear my heart. I'm not on a soapbox. I'm not to be political. It's none of that. I'm just here to tell you what is obvious to you. We live in an evil time. We live in a time where we as Christians and believers with common sense would say, what, what is wrong? What is wrong with America? How can people think that? Have you ever said that? You look at the news, you're like, how, how can they say that? How, can, how, how have we gotten here? How did we get here so fast? Like, it, it seemed like yesterday we weren't here, and now we're here. And, and we're, we're all kind of commonly saying the same thing. And, and we're hearing Jesus when he's talking about this prayer. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. Deliver us from evil. There's two type of deliverance that I kind of want us to focus on today. The one that you might already be thinking about that certainly is true is the deliverance of Jesus coming back for us. That is the deliverance that I believe Jesus was referencing. Because we know many times the disciples asked him, Lord, when are you going to build your kingdom here on earth? That's what all the Jews wanted to know. When is the Messiah going to establish his kingdom here on earth? Of course, Jesus would tell him, that's not for you to know. So let's talk about something else. And he would move them on. It's not for them to know. But there is a deliverance coming for the believer. For those who are faithful and those who tarry to the end, the Bible says that we will be rewarded with Jesus coming from the clouds back for us, what we as a church call the rapture. Now, this is one of our four cardinal doctrines in this church. This is something that we believe at the core of who we are. We call it the second coming. That we believe that God is, believe, we believe that God meant, uh, meant what he said. And when he says, this the same way that Jesus, the angels looked at the disciples when Jesus went into heaven. They said the same way in which you see him go will be the same way in which he returns. So he's coming back for his bride. Amen? That's good news. Amen. Sure, give God a praise right there. That's, that's appropriate. Amen. Yes, I want to go. I'm ready to go now because I get to go with my family. If my family's saved or those that are there before us, then I get to join with them. There's a reunion that's going to happen. So, I, if I'm being honest with you, I'm kind of like Paul. I, I'm saying, Lord, come quickly, but yet if there's work for me to do, then keep me here. But I'm also kind of want to go. <laughs> and so I'm like that. I'm like, God, you know, if you come back today, I'm, if you send Jesus back today, I'm perfectly okay with that. Because I know my wife and my parents and my friends, you know, I'm going to have people there that I know and I recognize. People that have gone before me who are, who are my cloud of witnesses who are cheering me on. I get to be reunited. So there's a deliverance from evil that is coming, Yes. However, there's something else that I want to make you aware of today. There's a different type of deliverance as well that, that I believe that Jesus was speaking to. So as we're studying, as our staff, as we're studying for this series, as we're, as we're talking about it, how we're going to preach this message and how we're going to flesh it out, and how, do we, how do I deliver this message to the people, we just began to do some word studies on the word deliver and the word evil. And what we discovered was that, that the Greek word for deliverance, now I want you to catch this because it's very, very important. So stay with me. Here's, here's, here's really what it means. It means to draw with force and violence, to drag, pull out of danger or calamity, to liberate. Now let's read it again. Verse 13, he says, deliver us or rescue us with force and violence, drag, pull out of danger or calamity. For those that are saved, or they define themselves as being saved in here. Think of it this way. In order to realize what you've been, how you're saved, you must first know what you're saved from, right? So, for example, you don't know that you don't know that you need a healer until you're sick, right? You don't need to know that you need God as provider until you have a need of provision. 
You don't know you need a savior until you're made aware of your sins. So listen to me, church. When Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's speaking in Hebrew, their native language, when he's talking, he's telling them he's using a word for deliverance that you and I are not thinking of. When Jesus is talking and he says the word deliver, the word means to snatch with violence and with force. Often we picture Jesus as a shepherd. We have a photo of Jesus as a shepherd. We're going to put this on the screen. This is how we picture Jesus. Oh, he's, he's nice and he's pretty. Look at him holding that man, that lamb. You guys remember that sermon series? He's holding the lamb. And he's holding that lamb and he's got a shepherd's staff. And, and here is Jesus. And, and yes, Jesus is that type of shepherd. He is that type of shepherd. He's there. Look, look, he's peaceful. He's calm. This is Jesus. But we have some other pictures of Jesus. We have a story of this same peaceful shepherd violently going into the temple and doing something that a shepherd who is holding, also holding a lamb is also violent and using force that he's overturning it. There's a story that I want to read you real quick in, in, in uh, second Samuel, excuse me, first Samuel chapter 17, as David is getting ready to slay Goliath. Listen to me, church. As David is getting ready to slay Goliath, 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. And, and David, looks, David looks at King Saul and he says, But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and I attacked him and I rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and I struck him and I killed him. Verse 36, he says, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. I'm going to call an audible real quick here. Noah, I want you to come and join me. These men don't know I'm doing it. I saw his eyes. Terrence, you got baby in your hand? It's all right. You can bring the baby. This is a perfect illustration. This will be real quiet. Is Roderick here? Roderick here today? He's another big guy. I was looking for all my big guys. In, in here. Aaron, come on up here, Aaron. Aaron Stanley. Yeah, come on up here, brother. <laughs> Always in the back serving. Got some big dudes up here. These are my bodyguards, by the way. These men, when you came into church today, they might have greeted you. They're servants here. They serve. Noah's one of our elders in our church. Always serving, helping people in and out of their cars, serving in our youth ministry. These are polite men. These are polite men. They're, they're, they're nice men. They'll hug you when you want to hug. Hey, pastor, how are you doing? Always so nice to me. Always so nice to me. But this polite man who is a championship quarterback, by the way, when you get that ring, we want to show it off to everybody, all right? Amen. He, he is. He got anyway, we'll tell that story later. So. This polite man who serves in our youth ministry, who helps out around here, does, does anything I ever ask him to do, the minute his little baby comes under danger, politeness is thrown out the window. And whether you're the pastor or not, he will defend his, all of your children, not just this one, all of your children and your wife with your life, will you not? 
All of these men will do that. They're nice. They're polite. They're going to serve in the church. They're going to serve in the house of God. But the minute they need to deliver their family, it's with violence and it's with force. Church, when Jesus came after you, it wasn't something that was polite because you were on your way to hell. He came at with you with force and violence. And the Bible says that he delivers you. He snatches you with force and violence. Give these guys a big hand. Amen. Listen to me, church. You are on your way to a godless eternity. The thing about hell that makes hell so bad is not that there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, not that you that you burn forever, but you never burn up. It's the fact that Jesus is not there, that you will have a knowledge for eternity, knowing forever. That's the greatest, uh, the, the, the worst thing of hell is that you will have a knowledge that you turned your back on God. But for those that have followed him, you need to understand that when Jesus is looking at his disciples, he's talking about him going to the cross. As he's telling them, he knows what he's talking about. And he's saying that he will deliver you from evil. And it's not as if Jesus is going to politely come up to you and say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to real gently pull you over here because the devil, your adversary, is pulling at you with everything he's got. And he's trying to tempt you day after day to pull you into hell. And so Jesus violently comes after you and says, no, devil, you can't have them. And he comes at you with force and he delivers you from evil. He delivers us from evil with force. He came at you with force. Amen. His love violently wrapped its arms around you and says, devil, you can't have them. They've been washed by the blood of the lamb. They've been saved. They've been set free. They've been redeemed. They've been sanctified. Amen. I want to finish with this. You can stand your feet all across this place. As we close with this. What's interesting is he says, deliver us from evil. Evil is, is translated this way. It takes everything from a man. That's what, that's what the word evil means. So when Jesus says, deliver us from evil, he says, I'm coming at you with force because the evil will take everything from you. And isn't that what sin does? It takes us further than we want to go, keeps us longer than we want to stay, amen? That's what sin does. That's what evil does. It takes everything from us so we're dry and we're empty and we're hurting. He says, I deliver you from evil. I deliver you from evil. If you're here today, I'm going to ask, first of all, all of our prayer partners, our elders to join us at the front, our staff, as they come quickly. There's many people in here today, I believe. You say, Pastor Matt, I need to, I want to be delivered. I want to be set free. And, and it may be that you're already walking with Christ, but there's a temptation that you continually face, that you, you're continually fighting. And it might be that one thing that you're, that you're constantly battling and, and, you know, you feel like maybe sometimes you, you lose more than you win. And, and I'm not going to try to sit here and name everything and, or try to throw an arrow in the dark and hope that I hit it. That's not my job. My job is not to convict you. That's the role of Holy Spirit. I'm just here to present the truth to you. But we want to pray with you today. And I want to pray with those in particular. You said, Pastor Matt, I, I want, there's some things that I need to be delivered from. I want to be set free from. We have people, if you want someone to pray with you, we will pray with you. If you want to carve out some time on your own, that's fine. If you are sick in your body, we always pray for the sick. We always pray for healing. All those things. 
So we're going to open up the altars. We're going to sing and worship before we give our formal dismissal. And as we sing and as we play, if that's you, I just want you to make your way boldly to the front. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Come quickly. Let's pray together. Let's join together. Let's get set free today. I mean, let's find deliverance today. If you want to spend some time around the altars today, you can, uh, praying and seeking God's face. Man, do that. But don't leave today. If this message is for you, if this moment is for you, find some time, carve out some time with the Lord.